Scripture reading this morning will be Acts chapter 9. Let's all stand together and we will read verses 23, I'm sorry, verse 20 down through verse 31. Acts 9 verses 20 through 31. Uh, I'll read these for us this morning if you just want to follow along. Acts 9 beginning verse 20 says, And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching in the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. When he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord." And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Father, we ask now that you would bless the next few moments that we have together as we study your word and seek to apply it to our lives. I pray that you would give each of us uh, hearts that are ready to listen and, uh, and lives that are ready to obey and yield to whatever it is that you have for us today in Scripture. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Well, last week we studied one of the most significant events in the book of Acts, which is the conversion of Saul. Uh, Saul, you remember, was a Pharisee who was absolutely opposed uh, to Christianity. He was involved in the execution of Stephen, Uh, the first martyr of the church. And then Saul basically launched a campaign against the church here in Jerusalem, arresting any Christians that he could find, uh, beating them, imprisoning them, even having them executed. Saul's rampage against the church led to the scattering that we saw uh, back in chapter 8, where the Christians were fleeing the persecution in Jerusalem. They were going to other regions And everywhere that they went, they were preaching the gospel. And so uh, Saul's attempt to stamp out the church here in Jerusalem actually had the adverse effect of spreading the gospel to other places. And so Saul then began traveling to those places, bringing with him extradition orders so that he could arrest those citizens of Jerusalem who were uh, followers of Jesus that had fled uh, from Jerusalem. Uh, Saul would go after them, bring them back, you know, arrest them, bring them back in chains to Jerusalem where they would stand trial. On one such trip, Saul was headed for the city of Damascus, about 150 miles from Jerusalem. And on the way there, as we saw last week, a bright light from heaven appeared, knocking Saul off of his horse and blinding him for three days. And Saul then heard the voice of Jesus. He was confronted with the fact that he had been wrong. Jesus truly was risen from the dead. He couldn't deny that he was talking to him. Uh, Jesus was the Messiah, and Saul's actions had been completely misguided. And so Saul became a Christian that day. His initial question to Christ, you remember from last time, was, what will you have me to do, Lord? That was the attitude of Saul. 
Jesus told him, go into the city of Damascus. Uh, He was almost there already. He was right outside the city gates. And so God then led Ananias to meet him. Saul was baptized. And today's text is the rest of the story. Uh, How did people respond to the conversion of Saul? That's what we'll see this morning. And the first person's response that we're given in the text is Saul himself in verse 20. You see, it says, immediately he, Saul, proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, he is the Son of God. Saul responded by immediately preaching the gospel of Jesus in the synagogues of Damascus. He began persuading people that Jesus really is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, risen from the dead. And he could do this for two reasons. We talked about the sum on Wednesday night. You know, how is it that a brand new Christian uh, could have the ability to just stand up and start preaching? Uh, You know, no training necessarily, just immediately he begins teaching about Christ. Well, uh, first of all, he had seen Jesus himself. So just like the other uh, disciples of Jesus, he had seen Christ risen from the dead. And so Saul could testify of what he had seen and heard. He was an eyewitness to the resurrection of Jesus. And secondly, Saul could preach this way because he knew the Old Testament. He was very well versed uh, in the Old Testament scriptures. He was trained up as a Pharisee, and so he knew his Bible. Uh, He was ready right away to point people to Jesus because Jesus is the key that unlocks the Old Testament scriptures. And so now that he had come to realize who Jesus was and what he had done, those texts that he had memorized, many of them uh, throughout his life, those became crystal clear to him as speaking about the Messiah in Jesus. And so the response of Saul was immediately to preach and persuade his fellow Jews that Jesus is the one their Old Testament scriptures had prophesied. Next notice the response of the people in Damascus to this conversion of Saul. Verse 21 says, All who heard him were amazed. And they said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? Has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? Uh, Understandably, they are in shock. They knew who Saul was and why he had come there. And now to see him on the side of the Christians preaching the same message that they were, uh, that was truly amazing. Verse 22, But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. So Saul became quite effective in his preaching here in Damascus. Again, uh, with his background being so well educated in the Old Testament, he could prove that Jesus was the Messiah. He could point to specific prophecies that Jesus fulfilled from the Old Testament. Uh, then you see, no, uh, back in, uh, at the end of the verse there, I'm sorry, it says he confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus. This reminds me of uh, Stephen back in chapter 6 where it says, Uh, that he was disputing with people, reasoning from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah, and nobody could refute him. Nobody could uh, handle his debate. He was such a strong arguer and persuader. And so this is Saul. He's becoming quite effective in his preaching of Christ. And so the next response we see in verse 23 is that of the religious leaders. Verse 23 says, When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Now, before we talk about the Jewish leaders there, Let's deal with that first phrase, when many days had passed. Uh, It's easy when you read a text like this to think this all took place in a week or a month's time. Uh, That's not accurate. This is about three years. 
Okay, so maybe you've had the experience I have where you're uh, watching a movie and then there's that screen that comes up and it says, you know, five years later and then it, it continues on. And maybe you're looking at your phone, you're not paying attention, then you look up and suddenly everybody looks older and they're in a different place. And it's really confusing at first until someone tells you, oh, wait, no, 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 five years have passed. This isn't the same uh, setting here. Something like that happens to many people here in Acts 9 when you're reading this. You think all of this is happening uh, bang, bang, bang right after another. But in reality, there's about three years here in verse 23 where it says many days had passed. And during this time, Saul is preaching the gospel. He's persuading those in Damascus that Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, and then eventually the Jews try to kill him and he returns to Jerusalem. And we know this was about three years because of what he writes in Galatians 1. He gives the timeline there and explains how long this many days was. Uh, follow this closely. This will help you as we go to get the order of events. Galatians 1 verse 11, Paul writes, for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So the point that Paul is driving at here is, uh, when I'm preaching to you the gospel of Jesus, I didn't hear that from the apostles. I didn't hear that secondhand. Okay? I actually saw Jesus. He gave me the doctrine that I'm teaching. That's what Paul is saying here. And then in the next few verses, we find out where and when Paul received that revelation from Christ. Verse 13, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the tradition of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. Okay, so there's, you, there's where the, the three years are there in verse uh, 17 and 18. So Saul is converted on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians. Uh, he gets saved, he gets baptized, and for the next three years, he receives revelations from Christ. Uh, he's in Arabia and Damascus. Damascus is sort of right on the edge of the Arabian desert. So he's in that region uh, for a period of three years, uh, receiving revelations from God, which he then writes in, in his letters that we have in the New Testament. And so just like Jesus taught and trained the 12 apostles uh, for three years before he ascended to heaven and sent them out on their mission, in a similar way, Saul, or the Apostle Paul, is taught and trained by Christ uh, also for three years. And it's important to understand that as you're reading Paul's letters, uh, he didn't just come up with this stuff. And that's the point that he's getting at here in Galatians. He didn't make this stuff up. He's uh, delivering to us what he had first been given by Christ in, in Arabia and Damascus. Uh, several examples of this could be shown in his epistles where he makes this explicit. Here's one, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I received, this is Paul, Paul writing, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. And so you notice that first phrase in verse 23, I receive from the Lord what now I'm delivering to you. So uh, I, I didn't just come up with this. I got this from Christ. Uh, he revealed this to me, and now I'm writing it to you. And I think all of that happened probably here in Acts 9, when, when Saul is in Arabia and Damascus. 
Okay, back to our text now. That'll help you kind of get the timeline of events here. So Saul is converted on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians. Uh, now he becomes a Christian. He spends three years in training and receiving revelation from Christ. Uh, and all during that time, he's preaching the gospel to those in Damascus. And as a result, the Jewish leaders here want him dead. So verse 23 says, when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. It's an interesting response here by these Jewish leaders. Rather than being intrigued uh, and maybe wonder if, you know, maybe there's something to this Christianity thing. Uh, instead, they decided, well, Saul is now an enemy too. And we need to get rid of him. This is how some people respond when they hear that someone has become a Christian. Some people are amazed, uh, like those back in verse 21. And some people respond with hatred. Jesus warned us of this reality in John 15. He said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the words that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Uh, we follow a savior who was killed, remember? So we shouldn't then be shocked when some people hate us as well. Jesus said in Luke 6, Woe to you when all, speak well of, when all people speak well of you. For so their, prophet, uh, their, their fathers did to the false prophets. In other words, if you're standing firmly on biblical convictions, if you're preaching the truth, you can expect some opposition. Not everyone will speak well of you as a Christian. In today's world, issues that get us in trouble are things like abortion, uh, gender and sexuality, biblical truths that, you know, we haven't changed our position in, uh, in 2,000 years. We're standing right where we've always stood on Scripture. And yet in today's day and age, if you believe those things, you believe what the Bible teaches on those controversial subjects, you will get some hatred from others. They'll call you names. They'll slander you. In Saul's day, the issues were different. The Jews' main issue with Christianity wasn't their moral, uh, uh, their, their, their moral convictions necessarily. It was more so doctrinal. Uh, the fact that they said Jesus is the Son of God. To the Jews, that was, that was considered heresy. And so uh, this, this sort of blasphemous claim that Jesus is God, Jesus is the Messiah, this is what they hated hearing from the Christians. And so now they, these Jews, they see that, that Saul is preaching and he's persuading people in the synagogues that Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God. And so the Jews plot to kill him. But verse 24 says, their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And so now Saul is on the run. He's, he's got to get away from Damascus since he knows that he has enemies there seeking to kill him. And so Saul returns to Jerusalem. It's been three years uh, since he left Jerusalem, headed to Damascus. And we'll see now the response of the church in Jerusalem to the conversion of Saul. Verse 26. When he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. By the way, I can't resist making a quick note here about uh, belonging to a church, right? You see it right there immediately. Saul recognizes the importance of being among other believers. Uh, no one was ever intended to live the Christian life on their own. And so Saul immediately tries to join the disciples here at Jerusalem. But notice their response. It says, they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. They were skeptical. Uh, unwilling to receive him. They were afraid of him. Now, to an extent, we can understand this. I mean, these people had uh, friends, loved ones that were arrested. 
even put to death by Saul. And so it was hard for them to believe that he was now a, a disciple of Jesus too. So here Saul is, he's arrived back at Jerusalem, and he really is <clears throat> a man without friends. The Jews whom he had previously associated with now hated him. They considered him a traitor to their cause. The Christians, among whom he wanted now to belong, they remembered what he had done in the past, and they had a hard time letting go of that. And so Saul was alone. But among the church here in Jerusalem, there was one man who was willing to receive Saul. And so next we'll see the response of Barnabas. Before we get to that, let me remind you of who Barnabas was. Uh, we've run into him already earlier in Acts. You may remember back in chapter 4, it says, Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son, son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. We're not going to go back over all of that right now, but note there, uh, Joseph is his given name. That's the name he had at birth. Barnabas was a nickname. Uh, the apostles called him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, which tells you uh, something of the reputation that Barnabas had. And he certainly li lives up to that reputation here in Acts 9. When nobody else would welcome and receive Saul, Barnabas did. Verse 27 of our text says, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to him how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So Barnabas became sort of a go-between with, with Saul and the apostles. Uh, Barnabas was held in such high esteem by the apostles that they listened to him, and they were persuaded of, that Saul's conversion was genuine. Verse 28, So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed with the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. Now, by the way, this is basically going to be the rest of Saul's life. He's going to go from one place to the next, preaching the gospel, uh, establishing churches, and pretty much everywhere he goes, somebody wants to kill him. Uh, and eventually in Rome, they finally do. But for now, Saul again escapes the danger here with the help of the church. Verse 30 says, when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Uh, they learned of this plot to kill Saul, by the way, because Jesus actually spoke to, to Paul and uh, told him of the plan of the Jewish leaders. We get this from Acts 22. Uh, Paul kind of recounting what had happened. He says, When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And so verse 30 of our text says that they brought him down to Caesarea and they sent him off to Tarsus. Uh, here's a picture of Caesarea, uh, the ancient ruins there. Uh, really cool place to visit. One of the best preserved kind of ancient digs that has been excavated in Israel. You can see the aqueducts and the amphitheaters and all of that. I got in trouble as a teenager because I climbed on top of one of the aqueducts, but that's a story for another time. Uh, as you can see, it's a port city right here on the Mediterranean Sea. And so our text says that from there, they sent Saul off to uh, Tarsus, a city of Cilicia. This is where Tarsus, uh, I'm sorry, where, where Saul was born, uh, was in Tarsus. Uh, far enough away from Jerusalem, basically, to keep him safe from those who wanted him dead. So let's recap here and trace through where, where he went. So he starts off uh, in Jerusalem. He travels up to Damascus. He spends three years in this region. Obviously, on, on the way there, he gets converted. Uh, spends three years in Damascus and Arabia, uh, receiving you know, revelations from Christ, getting to know the, the Christians there. Then he comes back down, heads back to Jerusalem, uh, spends about two weeks there. We'll get there in a second. Spends two weeks in Jerusalem 
uh, before they try to kill him. And so he, he ends up going up to Caesarea and sailing off to Tarsus. He spends a few years up in Tarsus. So that's sort of the timeline of events here. I know there's a lot of locations and movement going on here. I hope this helps you kind of uh, follow that. So Galatians 1, again, Paul writes, After three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit with Cephas and remained with him for 15 days. So again, around two weeks. I saw none of the other apostles except James, Lord's brother. Then I went into the regions of, Caesarea, of Syria and Cilicia. That would be where Tarsus is. And I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. So news of Saul's conversion spread, and the churches throughout Judea that heard of it glorified God. And the last verse of our text says, uh, Acts 9.31, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it was multiplied. Saul was no longer attacking the church. Now he was a part of it. He was being used of God as a bold witness to Christ. And he would uh, continue to be used for, of course, many years to come. And so there was this period of time characterized by peace and edification. The church was built up. There was no longer the persecution or opposition, at least for this uh, period of time. And so the church continues to grow. Notice also there in, in, in uh, verse 31, the three locations that are mentioned, Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. This is basically all of Israel. And so all, the, the entire nation of Israel has been permeated with the church. And the next step in the spread of the kingdom will be to other nations outside of Israel. Remember again, Acts, uh, Acts 1.8, kind of the, the, the theme verse for the whole book. Jesus says, preach the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Uh, basically, they've accomplished the first three steps, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Uh, all of Israel has been uh, permeated with the gospel. Now it's time to go outside of the borders of the nation of Israel into the uttermost parts of the earth. And guess who God is going to use uh, to bring the gospel to those nations? Barnabas and Saul. We'll just peek ahead here at Acts 13, where we read, uh, there we are at the church at Antioch, prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So here we have Barnabas and Saul at the church in Antioch. Uh, I don't have time to explain how they got there. Basically, Barnabas goes and picks him up for a while and, and sails over to Antioch. I think it's in chapter 11. But verse 2 says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. And so this launched the missionary efforts of Barnabas and Saul, which take up uh, basically the last half of the book of Acts. They traveled all over the Roman Empire, planting churches everywhere that they went. And so this is uh, basically the, the next phase of kingdom advancement is going to be to these other nations through Barnabas and Saul. As we step back here, I think the lesson for each one of us from the text today is simply to follow the example of Barnabas. Welcome people into the fellowship of the church, regardless of their former life. We have to remember that Jesus really does change people. It's easy for us to be skeptical when someone that we know and love and we know all of their flaws and all of their, their issues, they come to Christ. It's easy for them to sort of hit, uh, feel resistance from the church. Like, ah, we're not really sure about you. We're a little skeptical, but not from Barnabas. Barnabas welcomed Saul because Barnabas understood grace. He understood that the church was a place where broken and repentant people should be embraced. 
When others were skeptical or fearful, Barnabas welcomed Saul with open arms. And in the years that followed, probably about eight years between Acts 9 and Acts 13, when they finally get sent out, Barnabas ends up getting Saul, bringing him to Antioch, and they serve together in the church there. Barnabas had no way of knowing all that Paul was going to accomplish. He didn't know uh, that Paul was going to be used of God to write 13 books of our New Testament. Barnabas just saw a man without a friend. He saw that Saul was being rejected by everyone else, and so he stepped up to help him. Uh, not all of us are going to have the opportunity to be a Paul in the sense of you know, traveling around, starting churches, having a widespread uh, ministry like that. But all of us can be a Barnabas. We can all encourage others. We can reach out to those who've been rejected by everyone else and show them the love of Christ.